Texas A&M University is home of the 12th man. Aggie football fans call themselves the 12th man as a way of supporting the 11 players on the field. To symbolize their readiness, the entire student body stands throughout the game. Whether you're on the football field or facing a fiery ordeal, the extra support makes a big difference. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took their own stand, refusing to worship the king's image. A fourth man joined them in the fiery furnace who looks like a son of the gods. The next time your faith is under fire, do not bow or bend. You can count on Jesus as the fourth man in the fire. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, always glad to have you with us. And today, Ron takes us once again to Daniel chapter three and to one of the most extraordinary stories in the Bible. If you've missed any messages in Ron's current series, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org, where you can hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule, or make a safe and secure donation to the ministry. From his teaching series, Standing Strong, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good radio message, Turning Up the Heat. Thankfully, as I understand Bible prophecy, uh, believers in Jesus Christ who are living on the earth at that time will be lifted out of this earth via the rapture and we will not go through the wrath to come. But there will be people on planet Earth at that time who will come to faith in Jesus Christ. Probably the greatest uh, re revival and even spiritual awakening will take place on planet Earth during the seven-year tribulation period. God will use 144,000 Jewish believers. We are in the times of the Gentiles. This seven-year period known as the tribulation is a time when God uh, returns to his focus and his covenant promises to the nation of Israel. Uh, the times of the Gentiles will be over for the most part, and God will focus his time on, on the Jews, and the Jews will come to faith in Christ. They will see Jesus as his Messiah, and 144,000 of them will be filled with the Holy Spirit. They're like 144,000 Billy Grahams who you know, share the gospel across planet Earth, and a great spiritual awakening will take place, but at a great cost because these tribulation believers will be given a choice, the pressure to conform, either worship the image of the beast who is the Antichrist or you'll die. Now, fast forward to Revelation chapter 20. Latter part of Revelation chapter 19 describes the second coming of Jesus Christ. Chapter 20, uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon. Chapter 20 begins, let's pick it up in verse four. John says, then I saw thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And I also saw the souls of those who had been, listen to this, beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and for those who had not worshiped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life. This is one of seven resurrections that happens from the time of Christ to the end of the age. They came to life and reigned with Christ 
for a thousand years. The words a thousand years are mentioned six times in the first uh, seven verses of chapter 20. This is where we get the idea of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Not a figurative thousand years, but a literal thousand years following the return of Jesus Christ at the end of the tribulation period, the defeat of all of his enemies at the battle of Armageddon. Jesus Christ will declare himself king. We will return with him as, as the, uh, the church, and, and those who died, who were beheaded during the tribulation period, will rise again at that time and join us in the millennial reign of Christ for a thousand years. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done will be an answered prayer in its fulfillment there in the millennial reign of Christ. All of this is pictured in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon 2,600 years ago when Nebuchadnezzar, a prototype of the Antichrist and the beast to come, raises up this image. But there are practical implications for us today, and let's get to those. How, how do you handle the pressure? What do you do when the heat is on? Let me suggest three things. Number one, don't be surprised by the fiery furnace. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at all. 1 Peter 4 and verses 12 to 13, Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. And circle the word when. He didn't say if the fiery trial comes upon you, but when. Did you know that during this time, the early 21st century, there are believers in Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ in other parts of the world who are facing great trials for their faith. They're, they're facing a fiery trial. Some people say that more people, more followers of Jesus have been persecuted and have lost their lives during our time than at any other time, you know, in church history. Now, we don't feel that pressure here in the United States, but our culture is changing, is it not? It used to be pretty friendly to the Christian faith. It's fairly friendly to spiritual things and to religious things, but as soon as you interject Jesus into the conversation, oh, just like Nebuchadnezzar's countenance changed, the countenance of our culture changes. That shouldn't surprise us. Come on. shouldn't surprise us at all. Jesus said to his disciples, in this world you will have tribulation. You won't go through the tribulation, but you will experience it. And if they hated me, Jesus said, they will hate you. Don't be surprised by that. Peter was there when Jesus said these things, and so he reminds the beloved, the followers of Jesus in the first century, don't be surprised by the fiery trial. He goes on to encourage them, verse 13, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Uh, some of us may suffer for Christ in ways that others don't, or uh, the measure, you know, that's, I, I, I can't tell you what will happen if, if anything that severe, but Peter says when the fiery trial comes. He's not saying you'll suffer, and if you suffer, you know, do so by being a jerk for Jesus. No, we're not talking about being a jerk for Jesus, all right? <laughs> you know, sometimes we bring it on ourselves because, you know, we act like jerks for Jesus. No, just live out your faith authentically. 
Let the fruit of the Spirit flow through every pore in your being, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Live out your faith authentically. Don't be a jerk for Jesus. But even if you're not a jerk for Jesus and you joyfully live out your faith, the fiery trial will come. Don't, don't think the world's going to applaud you because you name the name of Jesus. Secondly, fireproof your faith. What do you do when the heat is on? Don't be surprised by it. Secondly, fireproof your faith. What do I mean by that? Let's go back to Daniel chapter 3 and let's watch how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fireproofed their faith. It says in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar gave them one more chance. One more chance, guys. We're going to play the music, and as soon as you hear the music, bow down or you're going to burn. And they said, King, we, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In other words, King, we, we've already made our decision. And the answer is no. We're not going to compromise our faith. They fireproofed their faith. And what I mean by that in part is they made a decision ahead of time. Not if, but when their faith was challenged. When the pressure to conform to worldliness and worldly standards, even to evil idolatry was coming, they knew ahead of time what their response would be. They go on to say in verse 17, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. This is why we love these guys. This is why we're so inspired. They say, you know, king, we don't have to talk about this. We don't have to convene a council of the three of us and talk, you know, what are we going to do here? No, we've already made our decision. Remember back in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel had resolved not to defile himself with the king's food. And his three friends joined him in that resolution, that earnest and definite decision they had made to stay true to the one true God. And now their faith is challenged. And they say, you know, king, if you throw us into the fiery furnace, our God is able to deliver us. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is able. Come on now, say it like you really mean it. God is able. These boys were so confident in their faith, they knew God was able, but they said, even if he doesn't, we're still going to serve him. You know, God is able to deliver any one of us from the fiery furnace. God is able to do a whole host of things. There's nothing that is impossible with God. God is able to heal you. But if he doesn't, if he chooses not to, will you still serve him? That's a fireproof faith. We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. To listen to any of Ron's messages on demand, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out our online store to find resources that will help you grow in your faith. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you make your gift to Something Good Radio today, we'll give you the complete audio download to the series you're hearing now, Standing Strong. That's all seven messages in Ron's teaching series, Standing Strong. We'll be sharing this content with our monthly partners, but today it's our thank you gift to you as well when you give your gift to Something Good Radio. 
Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. And now here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Turning Up the Heat. When the heat is on, maybe it's because people are coming against your, your faith and attacking you because you serve Jesus, or maybe just... You know, sometimes life itself becomes a fiery furnace. And when the heat is on, you know God is able. You know He's able. But He doesn't always do what we ask Him to do, right? Not my will, Jesus says, but thine be done. And when we know He is able, but He chooses not to, will you still serve Him? Okay, that's a fireproof faith. And you got to make that decision ahead of time, right? The fiery trial is coming to test you. God never tempts us with evil, but He puts our faith to the test. Just like an automobile manufacturer runs that automobile out on a test track, puts it through all kinds of tests to improve it, to strengthen it before they ever bring it to market. God will test your faith and my faith. So fireproof your faith. Finally, look for the fourth man in the fire. (laughs) I don't have time to read the rest of the story. Let me just summarize it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, no, king, not going to do it. He is furious, beyond enraged. And he says, heat up the furnace seven times hotter. And his his furnace guys, you know, like, man, we got to go stoke this fire. The fire and the furnace became so hot, it killed, you know, the furnace keepers. And then it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's turn. And they are tossed into the fiery furnace. Nothing metaphorical or allegorical about this, friends. This is real history, real people, real time, real place, okay? And this is the most ruthless of evil kings, Nebuchadnezzar. By the way, you ain't seen nothing until the Antichrist comes on the world scene. You talk about seven times hotter. When the restrainer, the Holy Spirit, is lifted as the church is raptured, (laughs) literally all hell breaks loose on planet Earth. That's why the tribulation period, I call it the worst of times on planet Earth. So Nebuchadnezzar stokes up the furnace, seven times hotter, tosses the guys in. He's done with them, right? A few minutes later, he he glances in there, and verse 25 says that he says, but I see four men, (laughs) four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. (laughs) <laughs> no, Nebuchadnezzar, well, you're close, but no cigar here, Nebuchadnezzar. Not only looks like a son of the God, he is the son of God, right? He is the son of God. This is called a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Remember, Jesus was eternal. He did, his life didn't start in Bethlehem. <laughs> he was just an eternal God clothed now in human flesh who appeared to us in Bethlehem. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is an eternal God, and 
He appeared here and there in the Old Testament, and this was one of the places that He appeared. And the encouragement is that He's right there with us in the fiery furnace. He's, he's present. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 139 says, where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? And he imagined going out into the deepest ocean or over here into the darkest place or down into Sheol itself, into the grave. He says, there's not a place on planet earth that I can escape your presence. And this was a, a, a comfort to the psalmist. God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Jesus said to His disciples when He commissioned them in Matthew chapter 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. He could have put a period right there, but He goes on to say, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Even in the fiery furnace, I'm with you, because I was the fourth man in the fire. Johnny Cash, any Johnny Cash fans here? Johnny Cash made famous a song titled, The Fourth Man in the Fire. And I, I told Phil I was coming prepared to dress in black today and give you my best Johnny Cash. I even asked Phil to, to sing it for us. He, he said he couldn't do it justice. All right, well, I, next time I think we just need to put a little bit more pressure on him to you know, yeah. do The Fourth Man in the Fire. But Johnny Cash... Johnny Cash, the refrain of that song says, they wouldn't bend, they held on to the will of God, so we are told. They wouldn't bow, they would not bow their knees to idols made of gold. They wouldn't burn, they were protected by the fourth man in the fire. They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't burn. Say it with me. They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't burn. Come on now. They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't burn. Somebody say hallelujah or say Johnny Cash. I don't know, but... They wouldn't bend, they wouldn't bow, and they wouldn't burn. Doesn't get any better than Johnny Cash, unless you're talking about the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43, and here's where we're end. Verses 1 and 2, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. That's a little better than Johnny Cash. That's good stuff, isn't it? The promise of God, no matter what you're facing, no matter what kind of fiery trial, not if, but when you go through, the fourth man in the fire is there. Look for him. He promised never to leave you nor forsake you. Fireproof your faith. And don't be surprised when it happens. Rejoice. Find joy in the fact. The Apostle Paul says, oh, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, there's a deeper intimacy that we experience with Jesus when we suffer like he did. When you're misunderstood when you're spit upon, when all kinds of pressure and evil come against you because you are a Christian. Paul says, I, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Don't we all want that? I want to know more power to live the Christian life. I want to know the power of the resurrected Christ. He didn't stop there. He says, I also want to know him through 
an intimacy that comes by suffering like Him. I don't want to be a jerk for Jesus and just bring it on myself, but when it comes because I'm just living an authentic faith, I, I get to know Him better. I get to experience Him more intimately. And friends, wherever you are, whenever that fiery trial comes, just again, don't be surprised. Fireproof your faith. Decide ahead of time what you're going to do in those circumstances. Maybe you can anticipate them. The pressure to conform that will come. Decide now how you'll respond. And always look for the fourth man in the fire. Stand strong in your faith, beloved. Because our Redeemer is coming. He's coming again. All right? He's promised that He's coming. And that's as sure as tomorrow's sunrise. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good Radio message, Turning Up the Heat. We're so glad you stopped by. And Ron, you mentioned several ways that we could have the heat turned up in our lives. There's pressure to conform. And sometimes that pressure leads to hostile threats or malicious accusations. Now, these threats are overt, right there in our face, demanding that we make a decision on the spot. But there's also a danger that's far more subtle, isn't there? You're absolutely right, Brian. You know, it's one thing when Satan comes at us with the bow or burn proposition. It's a clear and present danger, and a big decision has to be made right then and there. But Satan has other tactics to lure us into compromise, and they're not always easy to see. Think about the frog in the kettle. The heat gets turned up so slowly that the frog never even knows he's about to be overcome by it. C.S. Lewis said it best when he said, The safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. This is very often how Satan operates, as an angel of light. He comes as a friend or a confidant, and he tries to lead us so gradually away from God's truth. One step today, another step two years later. Then we hardly even notice the difference between where we are and where we were. We begin to confuse change with growth, and the results can be extremely harmful. How do we guard against these subtle tactics? Earlier I said that when Satan's methods are overt, when he says bow or burn, we have one big decision to make. But when his approach is subtle, when he's playing the long game, we have a hundred little decisions to make. And the most important of these is to immerse ourselves in God's Word. Societal norms change, and they change gradually. Cultural mores change, and they change gradually. Look at where the abortion movement has gone over time, or the homosexual movement. What society called appalling 50 years ago is now acceptable, even celebrated. But the one thing we can always count on as believers in Jesus Christ, no matter what message we're hearing from our culture, is that the Word of God never changes. God's truth never changes. So in order to avoid this gradual descent into hell or into rebellion or into confusion, whatever the case may be, the surest way is to saturate your spirit with the truth of God's Word and to do that continually. That's Dr. Ron Jones with a few final thoughts on today's message, Turning Up the Heat. And Ron, before we sign off, tell our listeners what's in store tomorrow as you continue your teaching series, Standing Strong. Well, Brian, this next message concerns one of the most amazing stories of redemption you'll ever find in Scripture. 
Now, of course, anytime a person comes to faith in Christ, it's a miracle. Salvation itself is a miraculous thing. But not all salvation miracles are created equal. The king of Babylon was what you and I would call a narcissist in this day and age. It's a term that is quite frankly overused, but in this particular king's case, it was a remarkably accurate description. He was arrogant, he was a self-lover, he was consumed by his own existence and by his own accomplishments to the point that he demanded to be worshiped. Well, God allowed it to go on for a while, and that's when things got very interesting. I'll tell you more next time as I continue my teaching series from the book of Daniel called Standing Strong. Join us then for something good when Ron shares his message, Heaven Rules. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.